whether you're in baseball or not, you probably heard the adage, you're only as good as your last at bat. So we're going to be talking about that today, um, whether it's in business or life, if you fail or succeed at your last transaction or whatever it is, how you proceed with that. We also have a great guest on who is a uh, real estate investor and entrepreneur. Three balls, two strikes, pressure is on. This is where we discuss real estate, property improvement, and business. Together, we'll strategize on how to win. Welcome to Full Count. Welcome to another episode of Full Count. Today, we have a very special guest on. He is definitely the, de the definition of an entrepreneur through and through. And for anybody that's looking to strive at what they do, become an elite performer, start their own business, and just be financially free, you're definitely going to want to listen in. So with that, I'll introduce my very good friend, Jared Musson. How are you doing today, Jared? Doing well. Thank you for the warm welcome. Yeah, thanks for being on. Thanks for being on. Uh, I absolutely. heard a lot of good things about you, uh, entrepreneur and real, real estate expert. So I'm really excited to learn a little bit more about you. It is. It all is. good things, no bad things? A little bad things here and there, but I'm just kidding. No, all good things. All okay. Good yeah. things. All right. Well, I'm sure I'll share some bad things about me. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe interesting, right? <laughs> so I know, yeah, this is the first time that uh, Andrew's actually meeting Jared as well. Right. Um, so I guess a, a bit of background on how Jared and I know each other, right? So we first met when we were going to school, uh, studying our undergrad degrees at University of Florida. Um, Jared was in the business school. I was in a you know liberal arts and business school doing a dual major, and um, we just ended up becoming you know really close friends. We had some mutual friends, and that's kind of how we met. Uh, and then ended up what living together for three, four years, uh, three years, right before. I feel like it was like two years. Okay, maybe, maybe it was two years because I went to the Santa Fe first, right? Two years there, and right. I don't think we met until I like. Or maybe I like we met at the end of my Santa at Fe the time. End. Yeah. And, and then, then transferred. We yeah, once I finally went to UF, I think. Right. So That's maybe nice. we started living together. Yeah, yeah. So Santa Fe is a community college in Gainesville that a lot of okay. people go to that want to either save money or don't get into UF initially. Yeah. They do their associates there and then transfer to uh to UF. And it's all the same professors that teach at both schools. So they're both so, you know, yeah. Good. I think I think if anything, it might be better in a way. Uh, to save money and then transfer right. to the university just depends like you said yeah yeah so that's exactly. good did you guys but, do a lot of partying in college or <laughs> i don't see the nick as the type that like to go do that but i might be wrong you tell back me back in the day <laughs> i yes. mean still not too much then but more so <laughs> yeah i feel like i made him i made him party <laughs> yeah. like good you pushed them. <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. i could see that i think i think nick needs a little push sometimes when it comes yeah. to stuff like that yeah. I mean, I was still in bed at, you know, like two o'clock was, was my cutoff time. Then after that, it just started going downhill. It's like, all right, guys, you can keep partying. I'm going to bed. And it, it, it was a party in my reasonable. apartment. <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah. But it was a good time. It was a good time. Was, trying to make his hunch punch, uh, uh, basically bowl concoction where it was like two crappy liters of like just horrible uh, vodka. And uh, oh, the yeah, old good. school Hawaiian punch and like some lemonade mix. It was horrible. Everybody's puking at the other night. But random quick story. Um, <laughs> we this is just popped in my head. Yeah. Do you remember like you drove us to go get alcohol at the? It was like at the liquor store that was really close to where yeah. we live, and yes, the bushes that were there, and you went to turn in and. 
got clocked. Got we got hit. The car accident. Oh, that's not when we were partying. Really? It was in the middle of the day. I was not drinking. Okay. Just disclosure. Okay. Yeah. Okay. I just no, thought you were doing a beer run. We did get into a car accident. <laughs> we were so that grew us. Car. You know, that that grew our bond even closer. Um, got it. Got but no, I was making a left turn and I saw the car coming. And there was another car that pulled into the parking lot in front of me, but I was looking at the car coming towards me. And my other friend who was in the passenger seat yelled and screamed. So I thought that I was going to run into the guy that pulled into the parking lot because he might have yeah. stopped. So I went uh -huh. to go look and I went to hesitate to hit it on the brakes. And because of that, the car that was coming hit my tail end and we kind of wow. spun. But wow. uh, it, wasn't, it wasn't so bad. Everybody was okay, thankfully. <laughs> Good, I'm glad. But anyway, I'm glad. random random tangent yeah. story. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> so we had some crazy times, but we did, you know, get some things done. And yes, uh, the reason I wanted to have Jared on was because he's he's so driven, right? He likes. He likes Good, I love hard, that. Right? I love that. He does work hard as well, right? <clears throat> Live hard, or uh, yeah, work, work hard, hard, play hard. hard. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, we didn't yep. always party in college. No, no, <laughs> we did. We did some work too. <laughs> you know, so, sometimes I feel like people that party the hardest in college you know, sometimes they get ahead even more than the ones that are studying yeah. all the time. The reason being is networking, going to college mm -hmm. besides learning is who you associate yourself with and who you right. go into, into the private sector, public sector, and who, you know, exactly. word of mouth is everything. So, you know, I think it's good to do a little bit of partying and a little bit of studying. Yeah. That's actually why a lot of people join fraternities and sororities 100%. for a specific reason, right? Were you guys um, in one or no during your university I was, you times? Were in the, you were in the business one, weren't you? No. Oh, okay. No. I thought you were just yeah, just no. heavily plugged into the entrepreneurship club. Right. Good. He actually, you were uh, one of the the leads for the entrepreneurship club at UF, um, and I came on and, and helped you for a little bit of time there. Mm -hmm. But uh, I guess wow, before we good. get into that, why don't you just kind of give a bit of background on yourself um, and kind of when you first started to get into entrepreneurship, sales, all of that, and what brought your interest? Sure. Yeah. So, gosh. Uh, I guess when I was a kid, um, I grew up near a Publix and uh, Publix is a shopping center in South Florida and yep. probably, I don't even know, are they like in Georgia and stuff too? Uh, maybe. Yeah. Now I, they're mostly Southern states. They're yes. definitely not in California, but I see them oh, all over no. Florida, everywhere. Yeah. They're, yeah. They're all over Florida. And I grew up next to one and I just, I don't know what it was. It was like a, a moment as a kid, my mom like took me there and I just was like, I want to be a cashier because like I'm watching her like using money. like, you know, money. And I was like, yeah, she's got the money. I don't know why, but I had that moment. I was like, all right. So anyways, from there it was like, well, maybe I can buy some stuff at the grocery store and like try to sell it. So just got started like selling lemonade, you know, classic lemonade stand, you know, I was one of those kids uh, sitting at the, you know, in the neighborhood, just had the stand 25 cents, get your lemonade. Nice. So that, that really got started. And I mean, gosh, from there, it just kept going. I mean, I, I did a, I started a car wash business in elementary school, um, middle school. Real? You did that in elementary school? Yeah, yeah. Wow, you got oh, a lot of grit funny. then. That's legit. Yeah, I, I don't know how good of a job I did. I'm not going to lie. I, definitely... I don't think it matters, though. It's just the personality <laughs> that you have. Yep. Um, yeah, people, that. yeah, balls. Just door, door knocking. I just, I used to go door knocking, selling all different kinds of things. Wow. It was um, you know, I think that, you. well, I think that kid, if kids do that, you know, I think that people like want to help kids that do that. Mm -hmm. I know yeah. I do whenever I've had, there's been kids that's knocked on my door and I, and, well, rarely, but when it happens, I'm like, yes, I will buy. Like, I want to support that because it's so rare. Um, you know, 
Uh, and then, yeah, in like middle school, I got into selling blow pops. Like that was like a huge thing. It actually, I got inspired to do that because I wanted to buy, my mom just got me this bike, uh, a red line bike. I think she spent like $200 on it. And I was like, I remember those. Yeah. Like Popular. I thought it was cool yeah. and everything, but like I, my eyes were set on this Schwinn. There was this orange Schwinn mm. and, and it's kind of weird. Like the bike that I wanted was $400. It was like a Schwinn Predator. I remember like it was yesterday and yeah, the spokes <laughs> on it and everything. It was, it was just, it was like a legit, legit. like BMX bike. bike and yeah. I, I had, like, I, I had the Haro bike, Haro mm. BMX bike. Nice. nice. There you go. <laughs> um, and yeah, like, even though I just got this red line, I'm like, I wanted that one. And, and I don't know, that was kind of a weird thing. So anyways, it caused me to come up with this creative idea to sell blow pops and it was nice. freaking nuts. Like I sold blow pops for 25 cents a piece. Or if you bought, uh, if you spent a dollar with me, you'd get five of them. Um, but honestly, like I was like, I, I felt like on the bus and then in school and all the classes, like I was the one kid that had blow pops and kids love candy. So I was like making like $200 a week selling blow at pops. At that age? At that age. It was nuts. It was, it was. That's uh, insane. That's I, impressive. I just, my, my, Let me ask you this though. Uh, yeah. Were you an introvert, extrovert, or what would you say you were when you were in the fifth grade or even, I don't know, 10th grade? Were you popular kid? Were you outgoing, the jokester or just quiet? Yeah, that's a good question. I, you know, I, I think that I like, I would go on and off. Like I, I really didn't kind of see myself as one or the other because a lot of times I would be internal and I'd be like in my room and I'm, I'm I was that kid that like, I had to do my homework first before mm. I went out and played with, with my friends, you know? Sure. Yeah. Like I, I didn't want like my kid, like my friends would be like, we're playing manhunt or we're doing this. And I was always like, I had that level of discipline naturally. I don't know mm -hmm. um, that sure. I just wanted to like get my stuff done and then I'll go play with them. Um, so anyways, th there was introvertness to me. And then, you know, if I'm, if I'm with like close friends, I, like I'm definitely more extroverted. Um, okay. mm -hmm. Yeah. But I, you weren't, I, you were nervous. Like uh, the reason why I ask, I mean, that all makes sense. But when you put on your, at the time you were young, uh, your business cap on, Mm -hmm. Did you become extrovert immediately or were you still kind of in that same personality introvert, but extrovert with your friends? Yeah. Um, I like when putting the business hat on, like going door knocking and stuff like that. I think mm -hmm. there was a little bit of like, there was definitely some, you know, discomfort that was there, but I think, you know, it was just this desire to, to like get the next sale that kept yeah. me going. Like it, the discomfort was like not even in my focus. It was like, so you know, um, but in terms of extroverted, I mean, I didn't like, I wasn't that person that felt comfortable talk to a large group. I've kind of always been like, if it's like Close one group. to three people, one to four, yeah. maybe four people max, um, I'm good. But like in a large group, you know, that's where I start to get like a little uncomfortable, mm -hmm. even though I, I've still like pushed myself. Yeah. Right. And to, how about today though, with your entrepreneurial experience and fitness and real estate, would you say you're still in that light of personality or are you like completely an extrovert now? Have you like done a 180 to that degree? Yeah, I'd say I'm still kind of that way. I'm still, it's yeah. still a challenge for me to get in a, like a large crowd, you know, and, and talk in front of a large crowd or mm -hmm. to, you know, yeah, talk to, like I said, more than four people. It starts to like really Dang feel, 
builds yeah, up. Yeah, I feel yeah. I feel like a little butterflies. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I feel you on that. I feel you on that. Well, that's why alcohol is such a beautiful uh, thing mm-hmm. to have, right? Especially when you're doing a mixer or meeting people. Yeah, but I yeah. think that's uh, no, that's very good. So nothing has really changed besides your personality. Obviously, your success yeah. has definitely amplified throughout your time because of your experience as a kid and then obviously just through yeah. adulthood and school and cool. trial and error. So right. if you can get into that, I would love to know, because uh, Nick told me that you're a entrepreneur, you're into real estate. I'm in real estate, as you know. So I love to meet fellow real estate experts, especially uh, real estate experts in a particular industry or niche that I don't really know about. I always like to hear a little bit about that yeah. as well. Well, right, right before that, I think it's important for him to just briefly go through kind mm-hmm. of w- like what you were doing back in college with selling footballs and like yeah. gator gear. Yeah. And then actually graduating, starting his first sales job, mm-hmm. hating okay. it. And cool. I think that was really the only, really the only job you had and what you, you did that for what, six I, to nine months? And Okay. So I'll, after graduating college, I'll, I'll try to. Yeah, speed, speed this up, up right yeah. so but i'm i get so i get the very progression detail but yeah so it, it just kept going like right so high school i sold marijuana and you know off the record even though <laughs> it's on the record so it's, it's, all, it's, it, it's fine now <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it's already done right yeah. so <laughs> done. um but yeah that and like yeah basically fast forward the, right. the main thing was college football tickets i used to sell football mm-hmm, tickets mm-hmm. buy and sell them and i made some good money doing that especially because tim tebow was uh was going to school oh, at the same time. same time we went to university of florida and oh, he Tim went Tebow there too at the yeah, same time yeah he, he was, was a year before me i knew him i used wow. to work out with the football team and the track team and all of that yeah good guy he's wow. a good guy wow yeah go, go go on though that's that's interesting i had no idea that's really exciting that tim tebow was there so i'm sure mm-hmm. he utilized that as the sale or as the sell feature per se for the football tickets mm-hmm yeah yeah i mean so well the thing is is that because tim tebow went like you know went to the the school and he was like really becoming more and more you know popular and famous basically at that time we we had won i mean we had won two national championships uh you know two football national championships back to back um during the time that i was going to school and um and and that just caused the demand of these football tickets to just skyrocket so wow. you know to to spend you know a few hundred dollars on one ticket was normal for big games yeah. so i found this way i mean there was like it, I mean, that was like the highlight of i like i bought and sold football tickets the entire time i was in college and even a little bit after but mm-hmm. but really like um it, it was that those those big games those home football games with tim tebow uh being there. And yeah, yeah, like, I I just remember, I'll never forget, like, I would do it leading up to the game, like, like a week leading up to the game. So I'd buy and sell them online. And then I'd, and then I'd go out like the day of, I was one of those guys. Scatters. Like, yeah, scalper. Yeah. Scalpers. Um, Yeah. What what year was this? Just so I have an idea when this was going down. I I doubt social media was really a huge thing as it is today, but I don't know. I might be mistaken. Yeah. So that long ago. (laughs) No, I so, know, I know, but like what year specifically? So yeah. I can get my so I was in college 2006 to 2010. Yeah. Right? Um oh, okay. But yeah. he's been in Gainesville since. So that's why he's doing it. But now. but but here's the thing. The reason why I bring that up, and I think that's impressive too, is because Instagram didn't really exist until 2010, 11, where people started yeah, using no, it. it wasn't like so that. you were really use you were selling 
like the old school way, word of mouth. And like you said, what's what that term when I used, uh-huh. yeah, Craig, I use Craigslist. I use some mm-hmm. online things to like buy and then to sell it on the same place. And Facebook marketplace, okay. I think was around at that time too, was, if yeah. I remember correctly. Really? Um, okay. Yeah. And so I did, I did that like leading up to it. And then on the day of, I just would have the physical tickets and like would buy them in person and sell them in person. That's called, um, I think that's called uh, arbitrage in uh, business terms. Um, oh. Let me see. Or, let me make, or yeah, it is. It's it like, is. it's brokerage. Yeah. I've always, because you're like, for example, when that's used like uh, Airbnb a, arbitrage. Simultaneous purchase and sale of the same asset in different markets in order to profit from tiny differences in the assets listed price. So that's awesome that you did that. Yeah. 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 It was I'll, I'll, just one quick, like little, like, I just, I'll never forget the, like the moment of like the rush that I felt like I would, I would buy tickets for like a hundred dollars. Uh, I just, I just, I, there's a moment in time, one of these football games, university of Miami versus university of Florida at Florida. And just being able to buy the tickets for like around a hundred dollars. Like I knew that was a perfect buy price turning around within minutes, like three minutes, turning around and selling each of those tickets, like a four, sets of four for like $200. It was like, and I just would go back to one place, look for them. Anyways, it was like the rush that I felt. It definitely like opened up my eyes to like what capabilities that, you know, or like what's possible basically. Yeah. Yeah, He would be out there all day. And then, I mean, he also sold Gator gear. He he made up his own footballs with like a Gator logo on it. Like had a, wow, dude. I didn't make those. I didn't make make those, those, but you sold them. But I did. I I got my brother and I source. Yeah. I found the source of them and was able to, yeah, get a bunch of them like shipped, like a huge box of these (laughs) boxes of football. And so how how does it, how does this creativity happen? Like, is it just out of thin air? You come up with the idea and you just run with it or does it come up in your mind and then you write it down and structure it a certain way and then proceed or, you know, what's the methodology with that? Um, it's a good question. I, I just think that having uh, the mindset of try of like being intentional of thinking out of the box, okay. like I've always been one to not want to do the, the way, like the way that everyone else does things, mm-hmm. um, because I don't want to get the same results that everyone else gets. Sure. So yeah. just, just, I mean, it, it's not really as much the planning side of what you're like, it's yeah. not like writing it down to figure it out. It's more like what, you know, where everyone else is looking, like, I don't want to look there. I want to like try to just use my, the, you know, this, the mind that I have to just think outside the box and what, what, what other directions could I go? That's at the core of your personality then, because a lot of people that even go into business, you know, they have a hard time just, you know, stepping forward and doing the action. Sometimes they get, they have their, their feet planted in and they just never move because they're just thinking and planning and they never do anything. So uh, Mm -hmm. I can see that going back to your childhood. That's cool. hundred percent. Yeah. So I guess yeah, walk us briefly through kind of okay. after you graduated, you got okay. your job and what happened then? Stop selling weed. I stopped right. selling football tickets. You're right. <laughs> I got, um, all right. And then uh, got my first job. So I graduated college. I really wanted yeah. to major in entrepreneurship. Like I knew as a kid, like, like growing up, I knew that's what I wanted to do. I didn't know what though. I had no idea what kind of business I wanted to start. So in college, they didn't actually, University of Florida didn't have entrepreneurship have as a major. Yeah. They created yeah, they created a minor in it that like my last year and I was like, perfect. Boom. I like, so I might, fortunately I got to minor in it. Now they have like a whole department. Yeah. It's like a wow. huge, uh, yeah, it's a huge, entrepreneurship is huge at UF now. 
Um, and uh, so anyways, I, I graduated with a bachelor's in business and um, I didn't know what I wanted to, what business I want to start. So I thought, you know, I'm, I've always been into sales, so I might as well try to get a sales job. And um, yeah, I actually, I started working like also like mm -hmm. as an employee, like at the age of what, 12 or 13, I worked under the table illegally for a, uh, just to go back one last time uh, for a Chinese restaurant that honestly, they hired a lot of illegal immigrants. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I was a bus boy. Mm. They paid me under the table cash. Um, wow. And yeah, I, I did that. And I actually, I was in the restaurant business all, all throughout from that point on. Um, on oh, that's top. right. Yeah, I know you were working in a restaurant for yeah. some time. So a busboy, then I, you know, finally I came to college and while I was doing all the college stuff, I right. was also a server. Yeah, yeah, I remember barbecue that. Barbecue restaurant, yep. Sonny's Barbecue. Yep. Um, and uh, yeah, so anyways, after college, I basically got this sales job um, selling advertising space um, at a company called Nailer. It's in Gainesville. It's like one of the Gosh, at the time, main like sales jobs there was in Gainesville, Florida. I, I didn't want to leave yet because I still had the entrepreneurial, mm -hmm. um, uh, you know, kind of passion being somewhat met with the football tickets. So I was like, I'm going to keep doing the football tickets. I had a couple other ideas. Mm -hmm. I was like trying different things, but I also wanted to get a sales job. So I actually got that job and you know, I was selling print ad space um, in uh you know, uh, association, it's like all for associations. Mm -hmm. So it, they, these uh, publications would get mailed to the members of the association. Uh, yeah. And then I would try to call all different kinds of people that would, you know, want to be in front of these. Uh, these You're members. a true, true salesman then is true what it is. Through and Big through. Time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I, I mean, that you, you hit every point of a salesperson. So that's amazing. Yeah. And entrepreneur too, but mm -hmm. definitely sales. But yeah. One of the most important things in business is being a salesperson. I don't care what people say. I mean, you could have the brightest ideas. You could be great on camera. You could be having the best marketing and best branding. But if you don't know how to sell, it's game over. Yeah. So that's right. good. With anything. I mean, with anything. every day you go through negotiations with, you know, yeah. everything in life. With other people, your friends, good way to go to dinner, blah, 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 you know. So like for, for yeah. me, I, I, since I've been working since right out of high school, I'm not going right. to talk much about myself, but my, my point is I hated selling. I, I never wanted to be a salesperson until I started reading more and more books and just, you know, it hit me like a light and said, you know what? I have to be a salesperson at the end of the day, no matter mm -hmm. what industry you're in, you're a lawyer, you're an engineer, you got to sell your skills. You got to sell yourself to your boss, et cetera. Right. So very cool. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, what happened after a little while? I know you were killing it there, but then. Yeah, um, I decided after. Yeah, I did really well, actually. Yeah. Um, and I got, you know, I basically was like doing really well. And then there was an opportunity to switch to the selling online ad space side. And me and one other guy um, left the print. He kind of started just a little bit before me. Um, and I really him and I really connected. He also had the entrepreneurial passion and he was an older guy. I mean, older he was kind of like a male role model is kind of how I looked at him. He, you know, and he really, I, I really connected with him. Anyways, we both were like, let's go, you know, we kind of both simultaneously started selling on the online ad side and he actually did really well. Um, I couldn't, I didn't sell anything on the online side. I just, there was, it was weird. I, I actually was, um, I, I was, it was a very small group of people. And on the print side, there was probably like 300 people. And I was just like, I got like, I felt a lot of confidence and I don't know. But when I went over there, 
these were like veterans, like these people <clears throat> over there. And um, I think, I think at the end of the day, when I look back at why I, w- I didn't sell anything that I was about month, to ask you that. Uh-huh. Yeah. I, I think the reason is, is because a, a big part of it was that I started getting really in my head and oh. I started think getting self-conscious. Um, it was a very like close knit place. So like we, could, everyone can hear everyone in that one room. It was, mm-hmm. uh, and it was, I think I was self-conscious about like myself thinking, I don't think I'm, you know, kind of doing as like saying, like presenting myself as well. I started like mm-hmm. losing the sense of confidence. And um, I think that that caused me to not be, I think that's the root of An effective salesperson. Yeah. Yeah. People, people that felt that through the, through the phone, you know? Well, I mean, you were growing too. So you were still mm-hmm. young, getting used to your profession of selling at that time. So it makes sense. Right. Yeah. We all hit yeah. a hiccup. Like in baseball too, you hit that hiccup as a batter exactly. and you can't, you know, you become crappy baseball player and for that matter. People see that. They see yeah. those unconscious, you know, or mm-hmm. those uh, nonverbal cues. Yeah. And I also want to bring it. up. Yeah, exactly. I also want to bring up that, um, you know, growing up, there was a hell of a lot of kind of business ideas that I actually put a lot of energy into um, that were that were just complete like failures um, to kind of go along with that. Like, I, I don't want to make it seem like my entire, you know, kind of, you know, track was all like always you know, killing it. Cause it, mm-hmm. it, it definitely wasn't, there was so mm-hmm. many different things, even in college. I mean, gosh, mm-hmm. I remember, um, I, I, I like this, uh, multi-level, like several multi-level marketing things that I just got a part of. And I just, I just flopped. I just wasted so much time and energy. And I actually, I, I shouldn't say wasted because yeah. there was all value in the failure right. that I went through. But, um, but I don't want to make it seem like everything I did turned to gold or anything. Like yeah, that. no, that's it's good. Like you got to, together listeners and people watching need to see the the (laughs) reality of things right so it's not like constantly hitting the gold right that's Uh, good one of the companies it was organo gold it was selling coffee oh (laughs) i've heard of them yeah 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 it's been a while since Um, i heard that name yep but anyway so what made you leave that and start your first real business so fitness so one of my i'd say my deepest fear or at least one of my deepest fears is the fear of failure. And I felt that mm. in my being at that job in that for that last month when I went from selling print ads to selling online ads. And I just I got I, a flop like I went from like employee of the month a bunch of months to like zero, zero dollars. Wow. And that was the first time where I just like it was hard to get out of bed. I felt just not OK. I didn't want to go to work. Mm-hmm. I was like, you know, and what was the reason it was it was. Sure, I could say I really wanted to start a business, which is true. But at the end of the day, it was this fear of failure that I was faced with. And so I actually decided to run away from the job. I, I think I, I, I used to say, oh, I quit because I wanted to start a business. But I think the true reason that I quit, it, that, that was like a byproduct of it. Yes, I wanted to start the business, but I was afraid of the failure I was facing. Yeah. I so, mean, little did you know, though, when you start, I mean, you're a W-2. Is that right at the time? Yeah, that's was, right. Yeah. And then you jump in and do a business. I mean, that's like you're like at the ultimate waters where all the sharks are, where you're going to make it or not. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? So you had yeah. a, at least that protection as an employee. But it sounds like even though you were going through that, you still jumped in, into the waters of something even more difficult, in my opinion. Yeah. Yeah. No. And I mean, what got you want me to talk about that transition about like what I started from there? Or Well, that's kind of when you started to get into Swamp Fitness, right? That's right. Yeah. yeah. So. 
I guess a bit of background on that as well. When when he started working his full time job, right? He's like, I have no time to work out. I'm not getting any exercise because he used to just mm-hmm. play basketball. Like he, Jared loves to play basketball, which is exercise, by the which way. Which is exercise, right? Just the, for the but record, he did. Yeah, yeah. I think I that like, is do yeah. some running yeah, back and no, that's a lot of running, dude. It's, have you seen no, basketball no, players? They have no, no body fat. No, okay, I agree. Sorry, go definitely. on. Okay. But um, <laughs> well, I guess the way to put it, he never did any like focused kind of I uh, see. training, right? Uh, um, not everyone's so had, uh, particular, Nick. <laughs> yeah, I know, but still. Uh, anyway, uh, he, uh, he didn't have much time to, right, even to play basketball. And um, he, <laughs> I used to always do P90X in the apartment. We were still living <clears> together. And I was like, give it a try. He used to always see me play Tony Horton's tapes, right? And uh, I was like, an hour, hour and 15 minutes a day, you get a good workout in, and that's it. You could do it after work, you know, and you don't have to do much, much else. So I was like, give it a try. He's like, okay. So he did it one day with me. I think it was on a weekend, and we did P90X yoga. <laughs> and this man was dripping sweat. Dripping sweat. <laughs> yeah, I can definitely see that. And he's like, okay. Another type of workout. I, I'm going to give this a try. Yeah. And just being, you know, the person that Jared is, he sure. goes, okay, I'm going to go all in, do the 90 days, and uh, complete the program. So, right? That's what you yeah. ended up doing. And yeah. yep. like, you getting into fitness kind of just exponentially grew from there. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, absolutely. I definitely appreciate that you invited <laughs> me to participate in your in that yoga. And it's funny. Like, I thought, like, I'd never done yoga before that. So, I thought yoga is, I thought we thought of it as, like, this easy stretching. Relaxing, thing. yeah here we go, you know, P90X yoga. And I'm like, like, what the free, what, like, what are we doing right now? Like, it's Tony so Horton killing you. Yeah. So but credit I, six Tony Horton. <laughs> that's yeah, funny. seriously. So, but I, I, there was, there's a part of me that really liked the challenge. I, I've kind of always liked that the difficult path, um, mm-hmm. just being, you know, challenged and physically, mentally, all that good stuff. So, um, so I was like, yeah, I gotta, I gotta do this 90 day challenge and, and, you know, definitely glad I did, but yeah. yeah. That, so then, I mean, from there, you did the 90-day P90X, mm-hmm. and uh, how'd you get into personal training? So quit my job, right? And and then from there, it was just basically, I literally kind of took a, a, I think I quit at the end of October. So um, October 31st, 2011, and I decided that I'd give myself a couple months to figure out what kind of business I wanted to start. And... Um, and actually, I, I also at the same time was, you know, at, at that time I was like, I was, I was meeting different people and just kind of getting influence in a few different directions that were. That's tough. Yeah. Like, so I was living like a, a more intense version of the college life is I'll say. And then I, at the same time, I also met, um, just Christian people. Like I, I think I mentioned that one guy that worked with me at Naylor. Um, his name is Donnie. And Donnie is just a solid human being who I, I just, I really looked up to him as a man and a, a really good role model that, um, and he, he basically, when I quit, he actually, this man has eight kids and he dropped everything. And like, when I told him I wanted to quit and he's like, let's go for a walk. And I went on a walk with him and he was like, he asked me about it and he listened and he was one of the few people that was like, you should quit. And I was like, whoa, like, Mm -hmm. like he gave me permission basically. He's like, you know, and when you do like, 
go, go all in with your business. Like, don't, don't look back, just go give it your all. And That's he was great. like, mentorship. Yeah. And he asked me if I would go to his house every Wednesday at a motorcycle at the time. And it was winter. Cause I just said, uh, I quit in October 31st. So November, yeah. December winter months were coming. And, um, <clears throat> on a motorcycle in the, in the cold, it is extra, extra cold because of the wind factor. Yeah. And he asked me if I would uh, bike over to his house to be at his house by 6 a.m. for the, the sun was up uh, wow, every Wednesday. Yeah. And I said, yes, I will be there. And I stuck to that commitment. Um, and actually, he would he would uh, read the Bible to me. Um, and and I would challenge everything that he was reading to me. Um, like I would be like, like kind of like like I, I just wanted to, I didn't just want to accept stuff like that. That's kind of always been my um, mentality mm -hmm. now. Fast forward, like I'll talk more about that stuff if we want later. But, um, but anyways, he he actually supported me also along the entire journey of starting Swamp Fitness. He built my website for me, um, and yeah, like just talked through what my vision was, and yeah, and like basically the month of January, everything from the name. I, I did this fast actually in that month. I decided I'd start the year off with uh, something called the Daniel Fast, which is just basically. Um, it's, it's like more strict than veganism. It's, it's, you're only eating food that comes from the earth and you're not having well, anything but water and basically vegetables, legumes, um, fruit. And I mean, that pretty much sums it up. I mean, you're, you're not having any of any meats or anything like that. Um, no coffee, no tea, just water. And, um, how long did you do that? A month. Okay. Yeah, it's actually supposed to be for like I think intentionally for 21 days, but I just was like, I'm I'm doing it for the whole month, and I and actually yeah. ever since that 2012 that January, I've done it every single year since. For a month or 21 days, a month. Mm -hmm. For a month, wow. Yeah. Are you yeah. and are you usually in a good mood during that time or no? <laughs> actually, yes, you I probably are because you're the healthiest, right? Yeah, I feel I feel like I have more energy. I have more clarity. I'm def. I feel like I'm definitely yeah. in a better mood. I think I feel like my spirits are lifted, um, I and I, I feel I feel very good. Do you yeah, still do stay connected to Donnie today? Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, good, yeah. Good. I, before I'm I'm actually on a U.S. road trip right now, um, and right before I left, I went to St. Augustine to go meet with him, um, mm. and we had you know we had a a, a lunch together, and yeah. he he gosh he he's awesome. He travels. He has eight kids and he's married and he, um, he, he travels. He, he used to do this thing where he'd like live 90 days in different places. Oh, he's wow. lived in different countries. He's lived in different States. Um, so he's a huge inspiration to me. With that sounds like an exciting guy too. Yeah. There was a time he was traveling with all of them. I think oh, right wow. now he, I think I want to say five, five of his kids are with him at this time. I think. Wow. Four or five. Good yeah. for him. Yeah. Yeah. And Jeez. he's, he's working as an entrepreneur yeah. while traveling wow sure. he's in sales too right good guy definitely yeah. maybe we got to have him on andrew <laughs> yeah you should yeah that'd be yeah. good hey connect us jared absolutely sure. yeah so so i guess to to fill a couple of of pieces there right so you got into physical fitness you became certified as a personal trainer mm -hmm. you started swamp fitness which is a at in-home personal training business yep right yep um is there anything else that you want to elaborate on like what you guys do um, I mean, yeah, so it's been, it was, it started as in-home personal training. That was right. the main thing. And today it's, it, you know, question though, um, have this thing, um, in, in the podcast where we ask your full count moment. And I feel like mm -hmm. I, we never asked you, but I feel like you answered some of those, but if you could elaborate on, on 
maybe one that you kind of went over a little bit, but maybe want to mm -hmm. talk about a little bit further because we want the audience here, the listeners, people watching, when they come across an issue, how they overcome it by excelling under pressure. Yeah, absolutely. So when I first started Swamp Fitness, um, I my belief in this idea of in-home personal training and all of the value and differentiation from other personal training companies had to offer, like my belief was as high as it could be. I okay. thought this company was going to take off. Like I, I just, there was no ends, it's or buts in my mind. And, um, and, and I definitely, I, I got a few clients right off the bat for sure. I mean, I used the Craig, I used Craigslist. I posted an ad and I was yeah. like, and you're a good yeah. salesman. So that's good. <laughs> that helps. Right. right? Um, yeah, I was so like, you, you have, you as a trainer, and then you hired on other trainers. It was just me. It was just beginning. you at, at the beginning, beginning right? Yeah. But, but you had the conviction this was the best. Yeah, because yeah. you have trainers go meet the people to either their homes or wherever they, a park or wherever they are going to work out, right? That's right. Yeah, that's the, yeah. So it's it's a trainer that will travel to you and yeah. wherever you want at yeah. the time that you want. So it's, it's it gives... Like there was kind of two main things. One is that when I became a certified personal trainer, mm -hmm. I remember on the test, it was like, what's the number one reason that people do not exercise? And I answered that question. It's like, oh, it's time. It's because mm -hmm. people feel like they don't have time. That's kind of like a cover up to say that that's not my yeah. top priority. But at the end of the day, that's the <clears> true <throat> reason that they feel that they don't have time. So I tapped into that. I was like, okay, what can we do to give people time? Well, let's travel to them. Let's, sure. let's give them the choice of, uh, let's give them control of when they train and let's put them in the environment that where they don't have to feel insecure or like mm -hmm. there's like a competition or like in front of other people, it kind of takes all these barriers out of the way and it allows them to work towards the results that they want within their health. And right. that, that was the whole vision for it. So okay. I really believed in it. Right. So fast forward, I started off and, you know, it started off fairly well. I got a few clients here and there. Um, and then leading up to the, towards the end of 2012, uh, November, I actually, I started losing clients and I, I think it, by November I had one client. Oh no! So remember I have no other job, no other source of income. Um, and I actually was doing an internship for a church where I was in a, uh, a very low income, uh, neighborhood where there was quite a bit of crime. And I was definitely like feeling like. The, that that remember how before I talked about the feeling of fail, failure and I and I look back and I was like that fear of failure was like too much for me to bear. Well, starting to feel that again, right? Mm -hmm. So one client in November and then December came and I was down to zero clients and I just was like, I, I at the same time I had been trying to like figure out what are new ways that I could market my business. How can I okay. how can I create awareness that I have this service to offer? How do I get clients? And I just, I just struggled and I just got to the point where I was like, I kept putting out energy and I wasn't getting anywhere. Zero so the walls were and I, coming in, closing coming in, in yeah. and I'm like, closing in, yeah. I, I started feeling like I, I started losing motivation. I started feeling like what I started questioning, what do I do? Like, I, Pressure, I feel like I've tried yes. so many different things. Mm -hmm. What do I do? And there was one day, so I lived with three other guys. They're all at work. I'm home alone. And I found myself on the floor crying. Um, and I'm just like, I, I literally cried to God and I was like, what do I do? Like, I, I feel like just complete loss. I, I don't know where to go from here. 
And I, th that was the one time in my entire life that I felt like I heard a voice that was like, it, it wasn't, it felt like it wasn't me. And it felt like it, it was just don't give up. And it was like this, like this installation in me and all of my being of like, not like everything is good again, but like, whoa, like, I, I know, I don't, I know I shouldn't give up. Like it was like, I felt more grounded and not like mm -hmm. hopeless. Mm -hmm. Like it was just like enough hope to keep me going. And, you know, basically that, that was the, that moment that you just, the full count, moment. the full count moment for sure. So then did um, you, did you basically like let yourself go a little bit in terms of like, not, you know, focusing on the bad and the whatever it is, but just let yourself go. You have this, moment and then did you like double down on your faith after the fact yeah so i mean the faith was still challenged um i, I didn't feel oh, like okay. i've got it all figured out or anything like that yeah. i think it was just an injection of hope yeah like, just there was enough to get you going again to yeah, start the like, engine yeah it's just enough to like to not say i'm done with this because right. i was close to saying i'm done with this <clears throat> well that's um, good very good yeah. i think Is it's either... good for people to hear because it yeah. doesn't necessarily mean you, you, I mean, you did in a way, um, you know, look to God to help you, but it really just right. came down to do not lose hope. That was your full count moment. You accepted that and you went forward yeah, and, yeah. and went through it. Good. It was, it was either oh. God or your mom. Jared, get up. What are you doing? <laughs> or, or a little, or a little bit of both. <laughs> a little bit of both, yeah. right? I mean, maybe, maybe you didn't know it, but maybe Nick was in the, behind the corner. He said yeah. something to me. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> Jay, maybe they, stop it come on man what are you doing <laughs> that's great that's great i'm glad to hear that very good right so now i mean you know it's it's pretty much running itself i mean how many how many trainers do you have now wait this is still going this is still this going. Business? he has it's running on its own oh he very impressive needs, you have uh pretty much a business owner or manager yeah. right so so um sarah's our director of operations right. and she is full-time running this business mm -hmm. and then i meet with i met with her today um and i i'm so thankful for her she is an incredible incredible human being right. um and she you know she definitely um has all of the core values that we have at swamp fitness and and just is a she's a go-getter and she's extremely responsible and, you know, she's, she's been growing the business. Um, or, I mean, we just talked about the, these last uh, four months and it's just, it's def things are really looking on the upside right now. Can so you repeat the name awesome. of the uh, business and maybe spell it out? Cause I'm, it's a yeah. little, uh -huh. the name of the business is Swamp, Swamp. Fitness. Fitness. Yeah. And it's S, yeah. S W A M P. Got it. And then fitness. fitness. Why, why Swamp? Wear this shirt, but I'm curious. Time. What, what what got you to name it Swamp Fitness? Yeah, so, well, I mean, it, the city that I was living in was is Gainesville, Florida. The okay. name of the stadium, Ben Hill Griffin Stadium, the nickname is called oh, the, the Swamp. Swamp. The UFC. Ah, uh, I see. It's the Gators. This is the Swamp where the Gators I see. Get okay, it. that's a great name. Because, yeah. look, you know, from looking out, looking in, I don't understand it. So it makes yeah, sense sure. now because yeah. of the area, demographic. Right. Yeah. And I mean, you know, and then Florida in general, it's like, it's kind of like swamp really land, right? Yeah. Like, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, it was, it was mostly the, the stadium and just that I would actually work out at, we, we worked yeah. out at the stadium. It's like mm -hmm. a very popular place to go work mm -hmm. your butt off. Um, and yeah, it just felt relevant. So. 
Good, good. And not to discount what you were saying about your director of operations. I was just very curious the name of it, but um, yeah. that's incredible that you have her by your side right. and you yeah. essentially selected a leader similar to you yes. and your values, which is yes. good. Cause sometimes I think business people, um, you know, sometimes I've seen from experience and I've heard or read in books that sometimes like business people don't want to choose someone at their level or even higher than them. Yep. Cause you know, sometimes it, someone might be better at you than something else that you're not good at. So that's what it yeah. sounds like I from mean, you. Her, her level of organization puts me to like shame. Like <laughs> she is, she is okay. amazing. Good. <laughs> like, I mean this, so there's two things there, right? If business, like you were saying, Andrew, business owners are afraid to give away that, that responsibility, power, that mm -hmm. responsibility to somebody Power else, to right? Whether they, they think they have better skills or not. Right. But two, that's why it's also so important to have such good quality people around, around you. you and associated with you and sure. people that you do business with. Right. And even totally like you agree. said, to look for people with better skills than you <clears throat> or even skills that complement yours. So, 100. um, yeah, so that's, I mean, that's still going. Uh, Sarah runs it. I mean, you meet with her, what you said once, once a week, once a week for yeah. the, a couple of hours and, and there you go. Um, good for you. Right. That's yeah. Good for you though. That's yeah. Tough to have a business go more than what I think, uh, after three years, it's, uh, possible it'll keep going. So right. it, how many years now are you in business for swamp fitness? Uh, it'll be 11 years in, uh, January or February. Wow. Yeah. Technical there you go. Training. You're good then. Okay. Yeah. So That's I guess, good. um, let's, let's kind of transition and go through, Kind of how you started to get into real estate. You got a license mm -hmm. as a as a realtor. You did some fix and flips, a little bit of wholesaling, and then you know both long term and short term rentals. Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I mean it, it all goes. I feel like everyone says this in the investing space. Like what ninety five percent of people, rich mm -hmm. dad poor dad, Robert yeah. Kiyosaki. Mm -hmm. um, I, I read that book when I was like, I don't even know, like. 10, 11 years old. Um, yep. you're, the young, you're actually the one that introduced that to me. Oh, and really? also Tim Ferriss. Really? Yeah. Oh, that's By awesome. Four hour work week. That's Heck good. Yeah. 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 Those are those two books right there are mm -hmm. like, they definitely influenced me uh, the most in my life for yeah. sure. I'd say first and foremost, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. The second book is Four Hour Work Week, um, mm -hmm. Tim Ferriss. Uh, those two books definitely molded who I am, a big part of it. Of, of the way that I look at the at mm -hmm. life and money and time and mm -hmm. all that stuff. Sure. Sure. Um, yeah, I, okay. Go ahead. No, go ahead. Okay. I was just going to okay, like with real estate. Um, right. I, so that, that's where the, 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 the idea of wanting to get into real estate really sparked from Robert Kiyosaki. I knew that I wanted to get into investing. Um, I was researching and, I, I just, I found bigger pockets. I, I found various podcasts that, and books that I started reading and forums and articles. And I just was like delving into research and, and trying to learn and educate. Mm -hmm. um, and I think I just like, I don't know, like 2014 and then 2015, I, I was just like, okay, I started looking at a bunch of properties 2015 and, um, and I just, I was still like afraid to like make an offer. Um, but I just remembered what he said, Robert Kiyosaki said, um, is like, you know, you really got to look at at least a hundred deals before you even, uh, you know, uh, you know, 
make an offer basically. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, mm-hmm. so I, I was like, oh, I'm good. Like I, you know, I've looked at a ton, tons of deals. And then I was like, okay, it's time to like do something. I think 2015, I think that year I had, um, I worked with a, a realtor and I was, I, I was not a realtor at that time. And, okay. um, I, I had, I must've had three or four different properties under contract. And when I was, that, that was like the next step. Like I, mm-hmm. I finally made offers. I finally got, you know, I was getting, I was getting stuff under contract and I backed out of all of the ones that I was under contract in 2015, just because of being afraid. Um, I would buy an inspection report, get an inspection. And I'd see all that stuff. I'd be like, Oh my gosh, how much does that cost? Mm-hmm. And I was just afraid. Yeah. Just, you know, for, just for clarification yeah, yeah, no. before you go further, when you put these, um, uh, contracts out and they were in contract. Do you mean they were in all three of them were in escrow? You were planning to buy all three of them at the time? No, no. Okay. One at a time, one at a time, various times throughout the okay. year. Okay. Understood. So you, you were, dropped out of, you ended up backing out eventually. Yeah. Okay. That's right. Yeah. Fear of failure right. comes, comes exactly. back again. It, it, it tries to haunt me in my life. Let me ask you this though, before you go further with your story, maybe uh, you might even answer this um, as you continue, but your realtor that you used, obviously, I don't want you to call them out, but do you feel like maybe they weren't as helpful as an advisor that made you feel comfortable? Because, you know, going through three seems like, you know, and then backing out, I feel like maybe the realtor could have helped you a little bit better to understand what was going on through the contracts and the inspections. Maybe he could have, he or she could have said, look, it's not as bad as you may think. This is kind of normal. And they sit you down and go through a, uh, a structure example Uh, was there any of that going on or did you feel alone still? When I first started looking at a lot of real estate, I actually would would call the listing agent and Mm. I would go. And and then, so there's this part of me that's like, Oh, he just wants to sell the deal. He just wants to sell it. So he's going to tell me whatever, you know? Um, so I kind of shot myself in the foot a little bit there. Um, and, and then, and then, and then I finally met, um, I met this, this guy who was a real estate broker, real estate appraiser, Um, I, he, he, he's also like a professional real estate research. I, I feel like he had all these, uh, titles. titles. Yeah. Like he was all over real estate and he was like teaching me. He's like, he's like, you know, the title, it's all about like, get the, get title insurance. And he was just like educating me on some, like the most important advanced stuff that you really need to know. Um, and I, I just was like listening to that, but like not fully understanding it. And, um, and then he 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 actually like I would I would go with him to start looking at deals, and I think mm. that he that it, 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 there was a deal that I finally ended up buying, which we'll get to that with him. But I think there was some that I worked with him where he just it wasn't what he did, right? So he mm-hmm. had his niche. Mm-hmm. He he's a fix and flipper. He like even though yeah he's a pra- he's an appraiser, he's uh, a broker and all that stuff, but. His niche was like he'd buy properties for like dirt cheap and then um, he'd fix them up and then resell them. That's all he, that's what he did right. over and over and over again. And he didn't do a whole lot, actually. I should also say, like, he would do like maybe a couple a year. And that was, that was kind of his thing. So, anyways, when I, I like one, of, I remember one of the properties I got under contract, which I wish I didn't back out of, um, two, well, it was two. Uh, they were both quadruplexes. And I look back and I'm like, man, back out but i backed out and i think even for him like he had never owned a quadruplex so he didn't have the you know he didn't have the the uh confidence confidence to say you should buy this or you know this is you know move forward 
you know, he, he only had what he knew. Like, so to him, it was like, you know, it was like a market value at the time deal. And it was like, and I'm like, but it cash flows. Like, and I, I almost feel like he was just like, yeah, I mean, like do it if you think you should do it. But he didn't really know. You, you don't know work I mean? with him still, do you? Or yes. I don't still work with him today. Okay. No, no. Yeah. Okay. So at the time, back in 2015, when you were looking at all these deals, mm -hmm. right? You were looking for something that would cash flow for long-term rental right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Everything on the market, I was looking for something that would cash flow as a traditional long-term long rental. Yeah. Before we continue uh, forward, I have a, a comment to make and maybe you agree or disagree with me. You let me know. But I believe at the time that you, before you met this broker that kind of took you under his wing to some degree, um, you know, the agents that you went to, those three that you backed out of where you contacted the listing agent, um, yeah. I think that might've also happened because you contacted the listing agent and sometimes it takes a special agent to be able to coordinate, uh, representing the seller and the buyer and make sure. it a seamless, you know, you know, uh, tra transaction. So yeah. I think, uh, my comment basically, or advice to people listening and watching is it's generally not best to go to the listing agent, um, mm -hmm. to try and get a deal unless they happen to be a, a true professional and you yourself can kind of pick up as the buyer if they're a true professional or not. So it's kind of a, of a, mm -hmm. of a game, right? Mm -hmm. I don't know if you agree or disagree. Yeah, no, I, I, I do agree. I mean, you know, it, it definitely takes a, a, a professional to, you know, just be open and like, but not disclose information that shouldn't be disclosed, but also like fiduciary you know, duty to both roles. Right? Yeah. Exactly. But, but also like, earn your trust as a buyer. Like there, there's something like, I, I know for me, like for me to trust you, you know, there's like, I have to feel it. And um, yeah. And, and I think that it does take a special person that can do both like listing agent. Yeah. And yeah. What, what I do when a, when a buyer comes to me and I'm the listing agent um, and I, and they don't have an agent, they're saying, I want to work the deal with you. I, I get two types of people either one, they're genuine and they really want to go with me because they think they can get a, a deal to some degree. And the other one just wants to get like, oh, you know, I don't want, I don't want, I, I'm having you be my agent too because of the commission factor. I want you to mm -hmm. lower it. And they try and really be a sleazeball in, in some mm -hmm. ways. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. So yeah. those are the people I, I tend to like push off. The ones I right. find as a listing agent that are more genuine and think they have an advantage by using me because of the double commission, obviously, um, it does work. Uh, but what I tend to do is I, I work at Coldwell Banker uh, here in Southern California. So what I do is to make it fair, I allow all the other offers to come in. I represent my seller only. I review all the other offers. Instead of writing the offer for the buyer, I call my manager and say, hey, manager, his name's Tom. Can you go ahead and talk to this buyer? He wants to go through our brokerage. So we do the double commission. You represent him and you write the offer. That way it's mm -hmm. more fair. That makes sense. Yeah. It's, it, I mean, that's the most ethical way to do it. Yeah. You know? That's like, what that's we the do. Way that, yeah. That makes sense. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It, it'd be hard. I think that, gosh, uh, yeah, I don't want to change topics, but I, I just, I think there was a, a guy that got really took a hard hit and getting sued. Uh, that was an agent that mm -hmm. represented both parties and it was totally. That's like, why I say it, that it's, yeah, it's uh, a liability. Then. Lots of liability. There in some ways, I don't like I don't like uh, double ending it unless I get it crystal clear. And not only that, I write an email to buyer and seller. I want it in writing. 
do I have your permission to represent both the seller and the buyer? And they say yes. And the other person says yes. Once I have mm -hmm. it in writing, then I pick up the phone, call my manager, and we, we go from there. Mm -hmm. But sorry, I just wanted to yeah. make that comment because we have some realtors listening. We may have some other buyers that you know may want right. to take that strategy and go to the listing agent and just want to set the expectation. Yeah. You know, us as realtors, we have a very high level standard uh, mm -hmm. of ethics that we are required to follow, you know, and it's, it's, uh, it, it, if you don't do that, then you start to get into gray areas. I mean, there's definitely, you know, that could, that could cause some legal, legal issues. Like if they decide yeah. to go to the realtor hotline and, you know, make yeah. a phone call and, right. you know, they get advice on pursuing legal action against you. For sure. It's too easy too easy mm -hmm. because of our, you know, what's expected of us that, you know, our license can be taken away and fines and imprisonment and all that stuff. I mean, it, mm -hmm. you know, so. Right. A lot of responsibility. Mm -hmm. Right. Okay. So I guess to get back to your story, right? So what was, what was the first deal you ended up doing? First real estate. First deal I ended up doing was I ended up buying a long-term rental in High Springs, Florida. Mm -hmm. Where's um, that about? I that is, uh, gosh, I don't, I don't know, know Florida too well. 20, I mean, I do. 25, but... 30 minutes away yeah, from Gainesville. From Gainesville. It's in the middle of Florida. Middle, the of, middle Florida. of Florida. Okay. Yeah. Just yeah. so the people listening have an idea if they're not from Florida. Right. North, I'd say North Central. Yeah, North, North Central. Central. Right. Yeah. yeah. Gotcha. Um, yeah. And actually, High Springs, uh, the city of High Springs is where uh, the, the natural springs, like the, mm -hmm. there's, there's uh, a lot of different springs, which is... Uh, People go swimming in. Yeah, a lot of uh, aquifers. Yeah, all it's, of that. It's a source for a lot of uh, for water, water. And, and throughout yeah. Florida, and the, the the water there is so clean and fresh um, that you it's crystal clear. Like you could mm -hmm. see right through uh, the water, and um, yeah. yeah. So so you bought there. Was there a particular reason why you bought there besides the? Ge geographic advantage that you just said but also oh, it, it wasn't even about that actually yeah. it okay. had nothing it all had to do with uh the cash flow and then running the numbers so do you know what the cap rate was at the time by chance I, net operating I could, income I divided by property value? let's see the cap rate so let's see so i mean the cap i, rate... I just asked because like for example while you crunch the numbers um because yeah. Out here in California, Southern California, commercial real estate, multifamily, we're seeing uh -huh. cap rates around four to five percent. Mm -hmm. um, a year ago, it was about three percent. So, considering the market value being around four to five percent, if an investor finds a cap rate at seven percent, that's a huge win. That's like yeah. a home run. So that's why I'm asking you if you, maybe you don't even need to give me the cap rate, but do you recall if the cap rate happened to be higher than the current? market value in that area or was it about the same yeah i think that uh the, that's a good question um it's been years ago too so i, I i'm yeah. sure you know the memory isn't always there but i'm just curious no, I, yeah i have all the i i i believe that it was a higher cap rate than what okay. the standard cap rate was in that market this good, particular uh this particular listing had been listed for more than a year um, just sitting there. Um, oh. And it was listed for $100,000. And it was a four bedroom, two bath. And See, now that's insane. What year was this? This was 2016. Yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, if I wish that's the only advantage that people have outside of like California or New York, something like that would be 
so much more expensive, but that's amazing. Yeah. That you or I think that. it was 105. I think it was listed at 105. Not uh, either way. I take yeah. that all day. That's yeah, amazing. Yeah. Good for yeah. you, man. Did it need work though? Or no, you just, I mean, really didn't do much to it. I, I, I got it under, co- I actually closed on it at 84,000. Oh, and wow. I, I ended up paint. I like, gosh, I, I ended up color matching the wall and spot painting like myself. Mm, like I didn't, yourself. I didn't even paint the whole wall. I found the freaking matching <laughs> color. I bought a gallon of paint and spot painted. And that, and then other than that, I, I did, I hired a contractor to change out the, the vanity tops, like in the bathroom. So I yeah. kept the, the vanity. I just took out the countertops and I changed those out in the bathrooms. Good for you. And then That's I good. put new yeah. sinks and faucets in and, and, um, I don't know, maybe the light fixture, maybe. So, I mean, the total hmm. re- renovation cost was under, I mean, it was $3,000 at most. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I did most of it myself. Yourself. Right? That's what it takes most sometimes. It. Sometimes yeah, it yeah. takes, especially when you get into real estate as an investor, your first round. So right. that, that totally makes sense to me. Mm-hmm. Um, were, were, the, were the doors or the units occupied or were they unoccupied when you bought it? Unoccupied unoccupied okay so that's why you were able to like go in there and do what you wanted to do mm-hmm. and then i'm sure whatever i'm sure you were able to raise the rent to mm. a higher amount after you um did the cosmetic changes i would imagine yeah yeah the gosh anytime i put that place up for rent my phone rings like crazy it's good even I think today like, you still have it then it, still yeah have it, right? i still have yeah. it yeah i think in i think florida is definitely obviously it's a huge rental market all across the state yeah but i think you know and then high springs is like a smaller city but um this particular location i think that i i really i I really feel like i did well on on the location um in hindsight and it's like if i put a sign out like everybody's calling that number on the sign like i don't even have to put it online if i didn't want to so it was 84 when you bought in 2016 um yeah you made changes to it. I'm sure the market value would have been higher if the, those cosmetic changes were done. Um, but my question is, today, do you have any idea what the valuation probably is? It doesn't have to be yeah. exact, but a- yeah, it's it's probably about two forty five, something wow. like that. See that? See there we go. So people watching and listening, yeah. you buy and hold real estate. There's going to be dips, but yeah, over right. the long term, it's going to continue going up. So good, good. Do you know what it was in 2019 before COVID though? Uh, what the, the, the value, value of was, it? Yeah. Uh, yeah, it was probably before COVID. That's a good Maybe question. I mean, I'll give you a, uh, yeah, I mean, it probably was, yeah, 180, 180. something like, yeah, something like that. Yeah. Right. I mean, it, it wasn't, it definitely took a huge leap right? Wow. from COVID. Yeah. In 2019. Okay. So you ended up, you ended up getting this first deal, right? And then I know kind of fast forwarded, you got into a little bit of fix and flipping, you got licenses as a realtor. What, walk us through kind of like the, yeah, the uh, timeline of that. Loop. Yeah. So I bought, I, I bought two houses, single family houses in 2016, right? 2017. I did, I did my first fix and flip, but it was more like a wholesale. And what okay. I mean it, it, but it wasn't, <laughs> it, 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 I basically found the deal. Um, I, it, I found it for $75,000, a three bedroom, two bath, single family house. Um, it was in pretty good shape. I mean, the pool was, there was a pool as a three, no, I'm sorry. It was a three bedroom, one bath. Mm. Um, um, I was very familiar with the neighborhood. Um, and I knew that this property should sell for like 150, 
um, you know, and, and it really didn't need that much. So I knew this was like a really good deal. I didn't have any money. I didn't have any experience. I was not a realtor. Uh, I mean, I had the experience of, of purchasing with a realtor, right? But I didn't know how to write a contract. I didn't know anything. I reached out to a friend of mine who does flipping. And I thought, you know, I want to flip this property, but I don't really know what I'm getting into. And I'm afraid of failure. And also I don't have the money to buy this thing because it's a cash deal. Mm -hmm. the, so you were an escrow you know, at the time or you were, or you saw this would, property? I, yeah, I saw it. I didn't know how to get an escrow. Yeah, yeah I okay. saw it. Okay. Yeah. The wheels were I turning that it. it's worth more. Yeah. I, I, I knew that this was a deal. I reached out to a friend I had made in real estate um, just through bigger pockets and just trying to meet just different people that had the same similar interest. And I knew that this one guy, he had flipped a handful, like probably like, I think he flipped at the time, something like nine properties. And I was like, perfect. Mm -hmm. Like, and so I asked him if he would part, if he wanted to partner with me, um, and, and basically he was like, absolutely. You found a deal. This is awesome. But he also was having trouble getting a hold of his funds. I think he was trying to, I don't really, I mean, that's what he, anyway. Yeah. It, it, so then he ended up bringing on his broker at the time. And, um, and so we actually, the way that we did it pretty much was that the broker was the money partner and he, he brought all the money and he got 50% of the profit. Brian had the experience and was kind of the project manager. Um, and he got pretty much 25% of the profit. And then I was kind of like the wholesaler. I found the deal, but I was participating in a flip. So I, yeah. instead of just getting the money up front, I waited. Yeah. Like that's why it was a flip, but I kind of, I was more so like learning. Mm -hmm. And then I made the money on the sale. When, so once they I, flipped it. Yeah. And, and yeah. honestly they, they could like, these guys are good guys. Like these, these, they're, they're with one of the uh, biggest real estate firms. Okay, good. Cause so. they could have been shady and canceled they you out. Been shady. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. They could have all been that trust. And, it's that network again. Yeah. You know, so, so they did, they did not, they kept their word and, and I got paid at the end. So good. We, we didn't sign a contract yeah. or anything. That was the only fix and flip you did or. In, in 2017 in 2017 okay but you did so, one yourself so time's going by time's going by and you're just building and building wealth by buying right buying more and more real estate is what's yeah. what's going on okay yeah so so that was the main thing in 2017 2018 i did my first flip on my own with my girlfriend at the time mm -hmm. so it wasn't on oh my, my own, gosh that is she that's a risk she was right there kinda, yeah she imagine was getting melissa to start <laughs> no but he said girlfriend <laughs> at the time Oh, yeah, I mean, I know. is she so, is she your fiance or, or wife now? No, 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 no. Oh, okay, that's why I say it's risk. It can be risky. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't think that's why they separated. But <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, I know. I'm just saying. Funny. You heard, can break I've up during the con people, transaction. Yeah, I've heard a lot yeah, of people right. say that, like, if you flip a house together, you're either gonna like it's gonna destroy you or it's gonna really bring you apart. It's I could, really I could see thing. that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, so she trusted me, you know, she, she put a little bit of the money up. Um, I put the majority of the money up and, um, and yeah, and I, um, I, her and I kind of did it. I, I, you know, and we, we just did the whole thing. We, we took it, we did a whole complete renovation and made it, you know, new appliances, new, you know, um, like kind of like had the countertops painted actually, I'm sorry, the uh, cabinets painted. It was like, a, it wasn't too bad, although the house did flood. Um, so we, but we were able to like put all new flooring in and, and, you know, get the roof repaired and, um, 
yeah, we pretty much did the, that whole renovation. It wasn't too big of a renovation, but to us, mm. not having experience, mm -hmm. um, it definitely was. Uh, a, it felt like a very big reno uh, renovation, and it took about, gosh, I think that renovation took close to what four to somewhere in between four to five months for that. That's like that, which is a very very long time. And I look back and I'm like, I'm so, I was such a noob. Like, but that was the first one, right? Like I didn't, I like, that was where I was alone. And I was just like looking, I was, I didn't hire a general contractor. I acted as the general contractor. I was subbing, I was finding subcontractors. Mm -hmm. So it was like a full-time thing almost like, I mean, right. I spent like, I don't know, probably at least 20 hours a week. Um, you know, just when I had time, just trying to find subcontractors and managing them and stuff like that. Right. Okay. So that, that ended up then working out that was your first yeah yeah flip and then yeah. when did you become licensed as a realtor 2019 okay or yeah I, so you you were an actual you were legit you were a homeowner investor and then you wanted to get yeah. a taste of real estate as a as a career is what it sounds like is that why you became a licensed agent in 2019 yeah, it was either 2018 or 2019. And the reason that I got my license is because I wanted to leverage it for investing. I didn't really mm -hmm. look at the license as a tool to help buyers and sellers as much as I did I that I wanted to use it as a leverage. Mm -hmm. Got mm -hmm. it. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. 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 Because I mean, you also have uh, your wholesaling website, right? For people who are looking to sell their house fairly quick. Mm -hmm. So you got into doing a little bit of wholesaling. Yes. Um, that got started in 2019. In 2019. Okay. If you can ex expand on, on what wholesaling is too, just so people know. Yeah. Uh, wholesaling in its simplest definition is the art of finding discounted real estate. Well, I mean, in the context of real estate, because obviously you can wholesale in other industries, but real estate, it's just the art of finding, dis you know, art of finding discounted real estate. Mm -hmm. Right. So you, you basically find an owner that wants to sell as an off-market property. And you get it under contract, you send them a purchase agreement, right? You don't need any money. You don't need to be licensed as a realtor. You don't need any of that. And as long as you have the right purchase agreement, you usually have 30 days to find a buyer. So usually it's a cash buyer investor who's mm -hmm. looking to take that property, buy it from the owner uh, and fix and flip it or do whatever they, they feel, you know, mm -hmm. for them to get a cash flow on it. And you basically sign over the purchase agreement to the investor for an additional price, right? So basically if you have it under contract for 150 K you send it sell over it. to the, yeah, sell it to the uh, investor. investor for 170 K you as the wholesaler make the, the difference with the 20 grand. So, and there's certain ways about going about, we can have a whole episode on that. But. Yeah. So basically you have to have the house in contract within yourself right. and the owner. And then right. you as the wholesaler find an investor to buy it off. Buy it, buy it. Exactly. They're buying the house, but they're technically buying the contract. Buying the contract off of you. Yeah. Exactly. yeah. I mean, you could do a double closing where you, you actually close on it and then you sell it. Yeah. It, you yeah. Know. There's different ways about it. Ways, I, yeah. That's why yeah. I, I think of wholesale, like there's a lot of different exit strategies, but I think mm -hmm. wholesaling is just finding a real a, a deal. It's like yeah. finding a discounted mm -hmm. piece of property. Exactly. Which has been very hard to do in the last, at least in California. I, I, again, I can only speak to California. I don't really know mm -hmm. other markets besides what I re read in the newspaper, but uh, there's not a, there is opportunities in Cal California for wholesaling, but it's not very common from what I've yeah, seen. No. And, yeah, definitely not. Cause yeah. you can have a piece of crap that's falling apart and yeah. it's still going to sell for a lot of money 
and get multiple offers and things like that. Things are uh, very inflated. Things are changing. Things are shifting. So with that shift, maybe there's more wholesaling opportunities. So very cool. That's good timing that you have this uh, company as well. Yeah. So the last thing I just wanted to touch on, then we can get into you know some current events. events. Maybe uh, Jared's perspective on the the current state of the market is the big deal that you just did. So you had a number of what quadplexes or something along those lines, and you were looking to do basically a tax exchange for them and mm-hmm. kind of put those funds towards even a bigger deal. So I guess just elaborate a little bit on what you had and then what you would look to do and, and why. Sure. Yeah. So I, okay, this, I, I came across a seller that, you know, he, he wanted to sell um, at, at first it was just one quadruplex and, um, and, and, and the, the, that property, he was asking for $80,000. Mm-hmm. And I looked up comps and I was seeing comps for like two, two forty, two, two forty or two seventy. I think I saw like two seventy-five, two. I was like, this is insane. What like like and so I you know, so I got that under contract and I started trying to find buyers and stuff like that. And then sure enough, I was like, I was able to find buyers in the, you know, ab- like above a hundred. So I mm-hmm. knew. I knew like in, you know, like mid, mid a hundred. So I knew I had like a killer deal. And then I, you know, all I thought to myself was like, I got to go back to the seller and see if he has anything else. So <laughs> like go big or go home, you know? Do, so, do you think there was a reason why he was, he was selling it for under market yes. value? Yeah. Yeah. Was he, he desperate to sell? No, or? no. He, um, I think that what he had, first of all, he was, uh, he was, um, an older guy. If I had to guess in his seventies okay. and he, the reason he wanted to sell it for as little as he did was he bought it for dirt cheap, all of his back properties yeah. way back in the day. Mm-hmm. Number one, number mm-hmm. two is he was just, I mean, he, and this guy owns tons of real estate. I mean, okay. um, I, I, I don't know exactly how much I know more than a hundred units. I can say for sure. Um, and he, he basically was like, this was like the bottom barrel of what, you know, of of his, uh, yeah, of his portfolio. I mean, he, he, this is like, you know, these are high crime locations, uh, you know, like, you know, kind of sketchy Yeah. Just, um, and so to me, I, I've, I had like leading up to that point, I'd always been a, a, afraid of getting involved or owning mm-hmm. um in a high crime location yeah. or i don't de- blame you <laughs> yeah it's yeah just reasonable right or de- don't blame you. Yeah. yeah like right so like real estate there's like you you could in the locations you could you could base it off of a class right you could be like d class c class b class a class mm-hmm. based on maybe the 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 level of crime or the like incomes there in the area incomes and yeah and so what you know part of what comes with like a d-class property is like what a lot of like you know i've heard right Mm -hmm. because i had no experience is that well it could be really uh, a lot of problems a lot of problems You're, you're basically it could be a lot more maintenance it could be a lot more maybe uh evictions or or people not paying rent or just problems basically sure and so but you know I thought to myself when I first got it under contract, like I'm, I'm, I'm doing this to wholesale, you know, like I'm, I'm not, I can get this under contract and resell. And anyway, so it, I went through a roller coaster during that. So after I, I, I said, I had to go, I decided I want to go back to the seller and be like, Hey, you know, do you have anything else for sale? 
he said, yes, I also am selling. And he, he opened up the, he told me about uh, five other buildings um, and a total of 20 units that he was willing to sell at that time. So I had four units under contract, one building. And then I basically looked at what he wanted to sell. And I, I decided to get two more under contract at that time. And I, I started, so I got it under contract and started marketing it and kind of got my confidence because I saw, okay, like there's some interest there. I think I have a deal. I think these are deals too. The, the comps like were a little bit harder to justify, but I, I let the buyers tell me that I have a deal. And so then I ended up getting all six buildings, all 20 units under contract. I decided after doing that, I started feeling some pressure for real of like, okay, the timeline's ticking. I don't have the cash to buy the, all this real estate. And so what I ended up doing was I like, I, I would get loans, um, like private loans from people that I knew uh, and one, mm. one person in particular. Um, and it was more of like a, just in case, like, because what I ended up doing was getting found one buyer who I got um, two of the buildings uh, one quadruplex and one duplex. So six units under contract with one buyer. And I was definitely, um, wanting to rely on the, the, uh, the profit from mm -hmm. that wholesale transaction, those two buildings, um, which was about $110,000 that I would make in profit on the, on those two. Wow. That's a lot. It, if, if, if he, if he fell through, if he came through and then I decided I want to keep, wanted to keep four of the buildings. So, so that, that would mean that I kept 14 units and then I would wholesale uh, six units. And so, but just in case that guy didn't come through, I wanted to also have enough money to be able to close. Um, Cause I also worked with a portfolio lender and um, had a, a loan that I was getting from a local bank. And I, so I had that, that lined up. And then I also, that's why I got the loan from my friend. So, um, all, all said and done, I, th that guy did come through, he did purchase the two buildings mm -hmm. and then I was able to use that. And I, I still, I had the loan. So I actually was able to buy all this without any of my own money, which is kind of freaking nuts. Um, at the end of the day. Um, and then obviously I paid her back. So then I, I did have money in it and I started fixing up things in the properties um, but yeah, that's kind of the story of that. Like it was, What's... it was a, <clears throat> sorry, go ahead. Yeah, it was, it was, it, I felt it was, it was definitely, I had never done something on that level before. Um, especially all those moving parts of all those properties yeah. you were doing yeah, yeah. simultaneously, at least some of them. So how many properties do you own today? And what do you think the market value, if you summed them up all together, how much well, would it be? Yeah, so he doesn't own those anymore. So I guess just let us, you know, oh, you let the audience them? know what would happen with those. Yeah, so I, I owned them just over a year to avoid the short-term capital gains, and basically ended up doing a ten thirty-one exchange. Mm, um, yes, so that I, I love that. Yeah, so so I basically I sold those and then exchanged into. Um, I, I'm a partial owner. I think I'm about fourteen percent owner of a seventy-eight unit apartment building in um, in Phoenix, Arizona. Mm -hmm. Nice. Nice. Pace Marby's hometown. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Right? Phoenix. Yeah. Gosh, Phoenix. that's where all the wholesalers are. So yeah. you rolled over your gains yeah. and put it into this 78 unit apartment building in Phoenix, right. Arizona. Okay, great. And um, how exactly do you go about getting 14% share of that 78 unit building? Is it through like an LLC and you guys split it? Um, how does that work? 
Yeah, gosh, that's a so um, I own a LLC where I'm partial owner, mm-hmm. um, or I'm, I'm sorry, I'm the full owner. But then there's other people that are involved in a, a company that's involved that okay. is the majority owner, mm-hmm. and basically um, easiest way. So so I'm I'm one of the owners, and I I yeah, and and basically they the company is one of the owners as well. And I see. Yeah. yeah. So, I mean, it, it's basically, he owns one LLC. He did, mm-hmm. he put in his portion, right? His 14% mm-hmm. to this bigger company that was pulling money from a bunch of investors. So it, it. It, it's similar. There's a bunch of ways that you could do a corporate structure and that's sure. a whole nother, you know, tangent, but it's to keep it in layman's terms. It's like he is 14% owner of, this nice. bigger apartment complex. Nice. I only ask because there's so many routes of doing it. And I just, yeah, even like myself, so it's hard to know what's best, but I think at the end of the day, I guess it comes down to your accountant, your scenario with taxes exactly. and things like that. Exactly. Um, yeah. Let's do um, some current events well, here. Uh, but yeah, go right, ahead. right before that, I just want to elaborate on what uh 1031 exchange is. So, Jade, if you oh, yes, please. Brief on that so people know what it is. Yeah. Uh, 1031 Exchange is a tax code or, or it's basically a way that you can. Um, it's I, I like to think of it like that. I'll, I'll say what it actually is and then I'll kind of give my like little metaphor. But basically, mm-hmm. it's a way that you can sell real estate if you have a large amount of gains and avoid paying the taxes on those gains by basically rolling the 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 money that is in that real estate that you instead of getting it you have to roll it into new property anything that you physically get you have to pay taxes on but whatever you roll from after you know all the expense all the closing costs everything is paid if you roll that into the new property then that's that is all it basically rolls in like you're just you're Pro, you're you're pushing out the date that you have to pay those taxes and yeah. technically you could keep doing that totally and then die and then yeah. it's gone yeah, yeah. okay and so can... that's what it is and that so that now has allowed alleviated some of you at least pressure from your portfolio from real estate from owning certain things to allow him now to go on a road trip across the country which is what he's doing he actually turned his house <clears> into a short-term rental airbnb um, and he has a number of those and, you know, that's, we could talk about that on another episode, but um, now that, I just, that allowed him to do that. I just want to add um, that's, that's a strategy and that's a very good strategy that you did. Mm-hmm. Everything you explained ultimately to make that 1031 exchange for that big, right. large asset, because it's a snowball effect, right? You're little. And then over time mm-hmm. you just get bigger, bigger, bigger. And I think um, the, the moral of in, to the extent this, um, you know, podcast with you is you start small. And even if you're starting small, some people are like, Oh, I'll never be a millionaire. Right. But you start small and over time, you're just constantly building wealth based off of time and appreciation. But also obviously what you did took skills and took, you know, your personality and, and knowing who to partner with and all these moving parts was able to allow you to move forward and build wealth. And then also have time for yourself and travel, which is, Awesome. Right. Yeah. Cause right, so right now you have how many short term ones? You have- uh, yeah. So there's, there's uh, four and a half to be technical short term okay. rentals. And yeah. And, and the, how many um, long term? One long term. And one long term. Okay. And then the Swamp Fitness business. And yeah. And then I'm in the middle of a flip that's not going very well. But, uh, and also, 
okay, it happens. A management company too. This this guy started another company. Really? On his road trip, he's like a property management. management. Property management for short term rentals. Yeah. Yeah. Oh so get them up and running, optimize all of that. Um, True entrepreneur. Uh, the 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 flip. Happened? I just I just said it's not going it's, very well, but some the it's actually about to get showed. It's about to get showed. Today, yeah. So. It, well, that is that's Cross the your fingers. Home, right? yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's yeah. a mobile home, which is a whole nother world. Maybe yeah, it was a full but... count effect. Yeah, giving right, good exactly. vibes. <laughs> yeah. All right, so we're going to talk about current events now. Um, as we know, yesterday, today's November 2nd, right? Or November mm-hmm. 3rd? November, November 2nd? 3rd. November 3rd. Okay, great. Yeah, yesterday, the Federal uh, Reserve raised the Fed funds rate by 75 basis points. Um, mm-hmm. So we're now about 3.75 basis points to 4% um, interest rates. Um, and essentially the, what they're doing is trying to slow the economy, right? They plan mm-hmm. to raise the Fed funds rate 50 basis points in December. So that's all been kind of planned through the stock market and the financial markets. They know that. The problem, though, is Jerome Powell, the chairman, he got on and spoke to on the camera, which every time he talks, it feels like he just makes things worse. He basically said he doesn't care to some degree if he overshoots it, meaning if he raises mm. rates too fast, he doesn't care if it gets us into a recession. He's willing mm. to go above and beyond and he's not going to pause. And that caused the market to go down the stock market, mm-hmm. caused a lot of people to get concerned with the housing market at this point, too, that maybe right. mortgage rates may grow even higher. Right. So, I mean, with that, Jared, what do you since you're in it in real estate, you know, full end, what do you think? Of the current state of the market, where do you see it going? Yeah, so I, I believe that the Fed will will raise the rate. I think that they will follow through with what they've been saying that they're, they're going to do. You know, sometimes mm-hmm. we don't know if they're going to do that, right. but I, mm-hmm. I think that rates will continue to rise, and then therefore uh, affordability will uh, become more and more uh, of a challenge. And with that, becomes uh, you know just longer. Like the the listings will have a longer life of um days on market mm-hmm. um prices i think this is where it's challenging right um i i think that price like there's there still is a low supply we still have extremely low supply in the market so mm-hmm. i mean you know we, we we've had historical lows and you know the supply is starting to go up just a little bit here and there and i think that um you know that will continue to happen as interest rates rise um is just there's going to be more and more supply but um but i I just don't see i don't see you know a a a huge huge drop in prices i i think that if i think that there will be a drop in prices um but i mean you know maybe i mean it it could be significant it could be you know like and i i think 10 percent is significant Mm -hmm. um i don't i don't see it going a whole lot more than 10 percent and um, real quick to clarify, when you say 10%, are you saying 10% mortgage interest rates or 10% price reduction home, in homes? In home, home prices. Home prices, okay. Yeah, yeah. Um, so so I, I, I think that's, that is, um, that's definitely within the, you know, I, I think that's, that's a, a high possibility. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I wouldn't, I would, I would be surprised if it went drastic beyond that. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's kind of what I, I would think that would happen um, as as we go into 2023. I think that it's just going to cool off and 
you know, it, it's not going to be as much of a seller's market. I think it'll transition to more of a buyer's market. But sure. again, I, I still think that uh, I, I don't see I don't see like drastic, drastic drop in prices. I still think that the supply is low and interest rates are going to rise. And I think that eventually mm -hmm. in two years, three years, four years, whatever, uh, interest rates are going to come back down. You right. know, I, I don't mm -hmm. think they're going to keep going up. I think for the next, you know, year or so, maybe it'll keep going up. Then they're going to start coming down again. Mm -hmm. Okay. What advice would you give people either looking to buy a house for themselves or to start investing in real estate? Yeah, this is where I, I think in the market that we're in and we're getting into as we mm -hmm. keep going, this is where you you really, you know, you you got you got to be professional. I think this is what takes away the amateurs. Um, an amateur can make a bad decision and get like investing and, mm -hmm. and get into a, a deal that uh, doesn't doesn't really cash flow or doesn't make sense. And if they don't know <clears> what they're getting into, then that could that could you know be a bad move. So I think um, for someone new, I would say definitely working with someone with experience that can um, that can show uh, you know whether that's a realtor or an investor, uh, someone that can show you. Um, what the, what to expect as far as the numbers go from a multitude of perspective um, mm -hmm. and um, and just know really knowing what you're getting into and accounting for all expenses um, when it comes to investing in real estate. So, okay. I mean, that's that's my biggest uh, piece of advice, but right. I definitely think that you should still pursue investing. I don't think you should wait if mm -hmm. you're trying to get into investing. Um, waiting is not going to is not necessarily the wisest thing to do. Um, because I, you know, I, I you'll never you know, jump in, you'll yeah, never right. jump in. Um, yeah. and you know, I mean, even, even if it's like to, to try to time the market, I mean, any, if you listen to like, nobody really any, can, nobody yeah. can, it's, it's, there's not, um, and nobody knows what's going to happen. This, this mm -hmm. is why this is like my projection. Yeah. We all have the our re projection. The reason and, too, I think is the world is interconnected, you know, right. things can, based on historical data, it can look like this is going to happen, but then a war goes, pops off or some crisis happens with exactly. oil. And then that historical data just goes, uh, it yeah. doesn't apply anymore. Putin but um, new can people, you know, <laughs> Elon yeah. Musk was afraid. You know, no, it's, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, no, that's good. I, I, and just for the audience too, and listeners, I actually want to ask yeah. Nick too, because I know Nick, you've seen my videos. I know maybe right. some people have seen my videos of what I think yeah. we already heard what Jared thinks, but um, asking someone that's not a real estate expert per se to day to day, because mm -hmm. you're an engineer and a project manager yourself and entrepreneur, but someone that's, you know, just looking at things from, you know, a step backward and looking out, right. what do you, what do you think about the housing market? What do you think is going to happen? I mean, I, so I agree. I think interest rates will continue to go up at least over the next probably 12 months or so, you know, at the minimum. You're talking about mortgage rates? Mortgage rates. Yeah. Okay. Mortgage rates. Um, and I do think that we're going to see a slow decline in home prices, mm -hmm. but I, I agree with you. I don't think it's going to be anything substantial unless we really see things go afray or something, you know, an external factor kind of comes into play, like you said, war, or, mm -hmm. you know, a, another external factor um, that kind of hits the economy. Um, okay. I do think that they drop because I do think that things are still inflated. Uh, but I don't think they're going to, it's going to be a, a drastic drop. Right. Um, but I mean, now is all the more reason to get creative with financing, right. Finding different ways to, to basically get into real estate. And I mean, 
you've told me this, Andrew, Jared has told me the same thing, you know, don't wait, just kind of get in, get started. Right. And, um, as you know, and I've said before, I'm a very over analytical person, right? You're an analyst Uh, for a living. So yeah, exactly. I get it. That's why I got a little uh, frustrated, but I'm glad you. Yeah. Been over analyzing. And actually since I've been spending, you know, some time with, with Jared here, um, we actually just put in yesterday an offer on a, a deal that Good. we're looking at and going partners in on. Unfortunately, it didn't get accepted. So we'll look it for happens. another one. Yeah. But um, it's not meant to be. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And I mean, even if it's, you know, partnering with, you know, a friend, a mentor, somebody just who's more skilled in the area that you're looking to get into, um, just to kind of give you really the, the <clears throat> confidence backing, right? Mm-hmm. Um, that it, it'll be okay. You're not going to lose the shirt off of your back or anything, right? So sure. I think that's probably the, the biggest blocker like you had with your your first deal, you know, that, that yeah. feel of failure. What if I do, if it doesn't work out? What if, what if, what if? Mm-hmm. So, Well, I'm glad, I'm glad to ask you this and get your feedback too, Nick, because mm-hmm. um, as a person that does real estate every day and that's my bread and butter, I also like mm-hmm. to ask people that aren't in the business and get their per- perspective on things because I want to right. put myself in your shoes so that when I sit across the table from someone like you, I can understand mm-hmm. what you're listening or what you're thinking and how I can go about, you know, helping you essentially. Right. Exactly. Exactly. What about you? What do you think that is going to happen with the real estate market? <laughs> Andrew has a whole channel on that. <laughs> I that on that. Andrew Vargas luxury real estate. Go check right. it out. At my Instagram <laughs> handle, Andrew A. Vargas. Um, okay. So it's a, I try not to make it a long-winded que- uh, answer, but yeah, summarize. Yeah, I'm I'm only going to speak for Southern California. Otherwise, if I speak nationwide, I think it's just going to be too long. But mm-hmm. um, I think the Federal Reserve is going to overshoot it with the federal funds rate again. When the federal funds rate goes up, it doesn't affect mortgage rates directly all the time. It's mm-hmm. not the same thing because it's four percent now. Fed funds rate mortgage rates today are about seven and a half percent. I think they're going to keep raising rates. It's going to get us into a recession. It'll probably be announced after midterms, November 8th. Sometime after, it'll be on the news. And then sometime next year, I think the Fed is going to pivot, meaning they're going to start stop raising rates, and they're going to probably reduce the federal funds rate. Mm -hmm. And what I think is going to happen is interest rates are going to fall back down. No idea how much. By how much, I have no idea what time of the year, but I sus- if I had to be a betting man and I'm okay with being wrong, I would probably say second or third quarter mortgage interest rates should probably start falling again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's going to re-stimulate the housing prices. And in Southern California, I could see up to 10, 12% um, house price drops from the high of last year. Uh, but as soon as it falls, if it falls, which we've we've seen a little softening now about three to four percent in some markets i think prices for homes are going to start going up again very slowly late 2023 that's of course if everything else continues going as planned with the economy and no major war goes on that's my answer nice okay and then what do you do what is there something that you are going to do differently or within your real estate um well you're, you're an agent Right. Agent. So, yeah. okay. And so, so obviously part of that will be educating and helping your, your buyers and sellers to make the best decision. Correct. Um, 
But I was just curious, I guess as an agent, is there something that you would change in the way that you would uh, go about your profession? Yeah. So I'm a very honest person. I try and be as ethical and have my integrity. So I'm very honest about things. I don't like to, um, you know, tell people, oh, the market's going to keep going up. Don't worry. Hush, hush type of thing. I tell them the truth. But I will say with having that level of honesty with clients or even potential clients, sometimes telling them the truth hurts in a way and you lose them. So there's a it's like a dance. You got to know how to say it properly. But I've been advising my clients to if they're going to sell, for example, if they're a seller, we need to not only price at market value, but we need to maybe price several months ahead from today. So Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. more than likely rates are going to continue going up until at least the end of the year, uh, mortgage interest rates. Therefore, we should, instead of pricing a house at a 1.5 million at the market value, let's price it at one, two, three, nine, five. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Instead of listing mm-hmm. at 1.5 where all the other comps are, let's list at 1.395. Yeah. That way people, there's more buyers that are going to see your property right. because you know how buyers use a range. And if you're not mm-hmm. in that range of prices, they don't look at it. And mm-hmm. by being a little under market value, you get way more people interested and it'll start raising up the, uh, the price point. Right. Exactly. And yeah. it'll, it'll, it won't more. accumulate days on market. That's my advice. Yeah. <clears throat> Makes perfect sense. It does. If, um, if any of your buyers, uh, want to say, instead of buying one property for one point, uh, three or four or 5 billion, they could buy yeah. a bunch of properties. If they want to pick up a mobile home, i got it listed for like 89 (laughs) you know it's good that you bring that up though because as you were talking um i've been wanting to i don't know how soon but i would like to buy some property uh property or properties in florida so i would i'll probably be talking to you about that too sometime Mm -hmm. in the near future Um, because again the dollar goes a lot further in places like florida I, even though the prices have gone up like crazy, right? The markets are like Tampa and Miami are freaking astronomical yeah, prices, but it's still not to the level of like New York or California, mm-hmm. uh, certain parts. But um, yeah, it'd be good. So I guess with that, Jared, where uh, where can people find you? I guess if they're interested in becoming a client of Swamp Fitness, yeah, they're interested in buying or selling real estate with you. Mm-hmm. Only in Florida, though, right? Yeah. All of Florida. Yeah. Um, wholesaling short-term rentals. What's That's kind of like a big thing that like I, I started a management company because right. I started getting really good results within my short-term rentals. That's mm-hmm. actually the main thing that's funding my, um, U S road trip. Yeah. Um, and I'm traveling and, and it's really comes down to, if I had to pinpoint what, how am I able to do this? It's because of the income that's coming in from the short-term rentals. Nice. Yeah. And, nice. um, yeah. And so because of that, I was like, you know, I have the whole kind of operation down, and team. So why don't I offer short-term rental management in, you know, where I'm already doing it. Mm -hmm. So if anybody's interested in uh, owning a short-term rental in the Gainesville, Florida market, I got you. And I, I, yeah, I can show you the results that I have and then I can plug you right in. So anyway, I've seen the results firsthand, so I could vouch. (laughs) (laughs) Um, did Did you say his handle yet or no? No, no, no. So I guess if people are interested in Swamp Fitness, where can they find that? They can go to swampfitness.com. Swampfitness.com. As far as resources to find you as a realtor? Um, Well, I would say just contacting me on 
either by calling me or by just going to my, you know, Instagram or Facebook. Okay. Which is Instagram and Facebook are both just at my name, which is at Jared, J A R R E D Mussen M U S as in Sam S as in Sam E N. So at Jared Mussen. And a lot of my stuff I'm posting is all about traveling right now. (laughs) So you wouldn't, you probably, I, I don't like ever post anything. I'm kind of like, behind closed doors when it comes to business it's kind of weird mm-hmm. but um but yeah it's all like everything on this podcast is true and i can show you right um yeah I'm, I'm, <laughs> yeah but How about uh, if they're looking to to sell their house for cash what's uh what's your site there oh if they want to if you want to sell your house for cash and it's distressed or you know we pretty much buy anything um it's um sell my house fl.com okay okay any other uh resources then i mean gosh my my big thing like i'm really big on just shaping the mind like like Mm -hmm. really just uh you know having an open mind i that's one of my strongest values and not you know not jumping like jumping to judgment on other people because they do things differently Mm -hmm. um i mean the reason that i've gotten to where i am today is because i value having an open mind and doing things differently Mm -hmm. um so I think I just, I just want to say that is like, you know, when you, when you see someone that does something differently and rather than judging them or making fun of them, um, you know, like try to figure out why mm-hmm. that curiosity can get yep. you really far. I so, agree to some good advice. Good thing to leave, leave the audience with one, one last current event though. Um, I did yeah. want to bring up, um, real quick. Uh, we're in the world series right now, right? The, the country baseball, it's yeah. uh, two and two. Houston Astros versus Philadelphia, Philadelphia Phillies. Um, they're playing today, actually. But as I mentioned earlier today, it kind of goes upon the premise of what we talked about. But um, the, the old saying, you're only as good as your last at bat. So sometimes, you know, in baseball and life too, business, whatever, your last transaction or your last whatever you did in business or whatever it may be, that's the last thing either people are going to judge you on or you're going to judge yourself on. So... With that said, Jared, do you have any thoughts on that, on how you go about, like, if you, for example, let's just stick to, like, a failure, not a success, because if you, you know, if you succeed at your last transaction, you're going to feel great. But what happens when you fail? Like, how do you respond to failure? Yeah, like, what do you, yeah, exactly. If if other people in your family or friends or colleagues notice that you lost out on whatever, how do you go about proceeding? Yeah. Well, I think that there's some wisdom in uh, not sharing that stuff with people that like your failures with people that are going to break you down. You know, I think there's everyone wants to break, like not be for you. So it's like I feel like there's kind of a level of like if you just share your failures with somebody that you're trusting, if you're really in a like a dark place of like Mm -hmm. failure and you Mm -hmm. just share just with anybody Mm -hmm. and they're like, you shouldn't do that anyway. Like you're doing you're going down the wrong path. Like you have to protect you know, that, that, that idea of like, if you're, if you're doing something that's in a failure, you have to go to like the people that are wise, like people that have an open mind that aren't going to just run and judge what you're doing and be open to like this idea, even though it might not be working now, that doesn't mean it's always going to be that way. So I think being protective of who you share your failures with. um, And then just, I think like it's when you're in that place of like, like, you know, you're really broken, broken, like you get into a place of failure 
Um, I think that's where the, the most beauty and growth comes mm-hmm. um, because it, it, you, like you have a wealth of information in that place. You are aware of just every, everything, like the reality of what you're going through. And it's like, like you have to like, you have to face it. You have to say like, is this really a good idea? Like, and you, you know, mm-hmm. you have to, like, it kind of forces you to look at it with detail and say, mm-hmm. I think this really is a good idea. Like, like, or I think maybe it's not, you know, and it kind of tests your level of, of faith. And so I think, I think it also like to, to go back with the first part, the other side of it is finding people that are going to be true and honest with you, even when it's hard, you know? So if there's people in your life that like, they'll tell you like, it's not a good idea, man. Like that's tough, right? Like that, that's like a tough thing. Like, I know that's tough for me. If someone comes up to me and they really want my honest feedback and they come to me and they're like, do you think this is a good idea? Like as an entrepreneur, like it's so gentle. Like I want to approach them with like, here's, here's what I think that I really love about your idea. But if I don't think it's a good idea, I also want to be that person. That's like, here's why I don't. So it's like, it's this hard balance um, to, to find those right people in your life yeah. that, uh, that can encourage you in the right way. You have to be I, mindful I, of who you're asking though. Right. For sure. I think that's why it's so crucial. You protect yourself. Like you yeah. said, you know where, but, who to, who you can be vulnerable with and who you should not be vulnerable with to protect yourself in general. Um, it's like a sealant to some degree, but just going back to the baseball element too. That's why I like baseball and sales. You always got to stay humble because you just yeah. never know. For example, um, the Dodgers recently won the World Series, right? Not this year, but recently. And this year for the season, they had the highest winning streak. 100 not streak i'm sorry just the the most wins in in the in the baseball mlb 111 but they ended up losing they didn't get to the world series unfortunately so they had the best season but they still didn't even get the opportunity to get to the world series some people can say it's unfair but that's just how the game works and i think the reason why they're able to proceed forward is because they have such a good brand and the coaches are always po- not the coaches. Well, yeah, maybe them too, but the players are positive, mm-hmm. and it's just very interesting that how that is. Yeah, but I mean, just so one last note on this though, I don't think you should judge yourself, and I mean, I don't think other people should judge you based on what you've last done, whether it was a failure, whether it was a win, right? You need to look at I agree, what you, but the what reality, and how much you've grown. Yeah, but yeah. that need that. That's why we have to work to change that misconception because I think it's, I think it's BS. I think it is too, but the reality is so many, like so many subconscious, (laughs) just people in well, no subconscious misconceptions about yourself, about other people. It makes people feel uh, just like they're not worthy and a number of other like slew of problems. So I agree. I agree with that. I I wish that was the case more often though. Yeah. Um, one last thing that's a superstitious or interesting concept. There's in statistic, it's called um, correlation is not causation. But the Phillies, if they win, uh, some people are really concerned, the people that like to look at historical data, because um, if they win the World Series, we're likely 100% going to go into a recession. The reason why I say that, every time a Phillies baseball team wins the World Series, time and time again, based on historical data, we go into recession. So at the time, there was a Phillies athletics in Philadelphia, or the Philadelphia Athletics, I mean, in Philadelphia, 1929, they won the World Series, Great Depression. The Phillies of Philadelphia, they won in 2000, I'm sorry, 1980, there was a recession. 
They won in 2008. There was the financial crisis recession. So if they win 2022, recession. I just think that's interesting. Maybe we'll see. Dun dun dun. Yep. <laughs> we'll uh, <laughs> we'll we'll look back at this video after that and and see what happens. See if we were predicted right or wrong. Let us know that's in the right. comments what you guys think. <laughs> if you're superstitious or not. Give it a like too. Thank yeah. you so much, Jared, uh, for being on here today. It was really a pleasure to meet you. Yeah. And thanks, you Jared. know, absolutely. Hope it's you come pleasure. back. Yeah, yeah, thank you guys for having me as well. It's, it was it was a fun time. Yeah, we'll definitely have to have you on again. Uh, yeah, there's when, a lot more we didn't delve into today, but when yeah. yes, when we come back on, you're gonna see how uh, Nick and I disagree on quite a bit of things. But I think that's why it's good to have discourse and it makes things fun. Yeah, right. Exactly. <laughs> All right. Awesome. Um, with that, it's a wrap. Have a good one, guys. See ya. See ya.